Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. This is Radio Influence. The future is now. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close, if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Gobble, gobble, gobble. Time for lots of calories and lots of football for the weekend. So who better to try to break it down and get into it and pick those underdogs than us as part of a turkey leg edition of Three Dog Thursday. I am your currently rested and ready to eat host. He is our senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com, Kevin Rogers. We've got an extravaganza. We've got the table set. We've got the bird. We've got the ham. As we like to say in the South, we've got the fixins on the side. Uh, we are ready to go and just gorge and gorge and lots of food and leftovers and football. Kevin Rogers, how are you? Doing well. It's really amazing that we've reached the end of the college football regular season. It just goes that fast and... It's the end. It's rivalry weekend, and then uh, we get the championships, and then we get the bowls. Yes, we do. So college football winding down. The college game, not kind to you and me a week ago. I, I will come in honor of the Catholic Church. I will come to the altar and confess uh, here that I had Syracuse last week in that game with Notre Dame, and it was over, and it was early. Uh, it was over early, uh, especially when Eric Dungy, I'm not going to make excuses, but Eric Dungy was the key for Syracuse to try to stay in the game. He got hurt in the first quarter, and that was curtains for them. I will share a quick story with you, Kevin Rogers, and the Three Dog Thursday audience. We were flying with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, to the game with the New York Giants. And by the way, here on Three Dog Thursday, you're going to hear from Shannon Spake of uh, Fox Sports. She was on the call with Tom Brennan and Chris Spielman last week on TV of the Giants and Bucks. So there's a little tease for later on. She's got some thoughts on what she saw out of the Giants. We'll talk some Thanksgiving with her. But anyway, we were flying to New York last Saturday while that Notre Dame-Syracuse game was going on. And as we were flying in New York, you could see Yankee Stadium where Notre Dame was pummeling Syracuse. So that was pretty cool, even though I didn't get to the game or get into the game. Uh, you could at least see Yankee Stadium in the South Bronx uh, there off the New York skyline uh, for that matchup, and the Irish looked really good. So I went down in flames on that one. Texas got the better of your Iowa State pick, and I don't know what I was th- I, mean, I thought Arizona would hang in with Washington State, and the Cougars just destroyed them uh, back on Saturday night and are now poised to maybe win the Pac-12 with only one loss. So, Kevin, we had a rough week in college, although kudos for the NFL. Much more NFL conversation later on. You had the Denver Broncos, outright win, taking the seven points against the Chargers. I had the Cowboys. It was a little hairy, but I had the Cowboys plus the three at Atlanta. They went on the last second field goal. We did have a couple of underdogs pre-Thanksgiving, sir, so we did all right with the NFL. Yeah, it worked out. Uh, the Broncos I really did like uh, last week, and I know they were down early, but they came back against the Chargers, and it just kind of seemed like, you know, the Chargers, to me, 
they had cleaned up against a lot of bad teams. They had a nice win at Seattle, but past that, I really wasn't convinced. They're a good team, but I really wasn't convinced on a lot of teams they beat. I know Denver's been up and down, not a great road team. I just thought the the setup was for the Broncos. Like we always talk about, it's not about who's the better team. It's about what's the best spot, and the spot I thought called for Denver. And it did in last week's case. So more on the NFL in our final segment with Kevin, including Thanksgiving Day NFL conversation and maybe a pick, and then NFL underdogs for the weekend. Uh, as well. I want to get Kevin's thoughts on that crazy Monday night game with the Chiefs and the Rams, too. So that's all coming up. As I mentioned, we'll talk with Shannon Spake of Fox. Also, Matt Elliott will be here, former Michigan All-American guard. He is a great interview. Matt undefeated in his Michigan career against Ohio State. It is the game, the rivalry of Michigan and Ohio State, noon Saturday. The winner very much alive for the college football playoff as a one-loss Big Ten division champ. The loser is basically out of any hope of being in the playoff uh, so it, with a second loss. So that's the backdrop of that game. And Matt has got some great stories, some insight on Jim Harbaugh. So we'll be talking Thanksgiving and some turkey with him. Uh, and, and also with us, Wayne Curtis will be here from SmackApparel.com, one of our sponsors on Three Dog Thursday. Wayne has got the in-your-face college and NFL-themed tees and no better, as you mentioned, Kevin, weekend than rivalry weekend with all these different games. We're in the Sunshine State with Florida, Florida State. Uh, Kevin is a knoll. You want nothing better than to ruin it for the Gators on uh, on Saturday. Alabama, Auburn, we mentioned Michigan, Ohio State, on and on Oregon, Oregon State, uh, Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech. Great in-your-face theme tease from SmackApparel.com. They're talking the talk at SmackApparel.com and you can take 10% off of your order right now for the holidays with the promo code 3DOG for this 3DOG Thursday podcast. Order up those shirts. They've got the UCF shirts up for the college football playoff and much more so Wayne Curtis will be here to talk more about those tees and some some rivalry college football games in the state of Florida later on on Three Dog Thursday so we are stuffed we got lots of lots of things to get to like eating on Thanksgiving hey before I get into the college conversation we are talking on the eve of Thanksgiving are you involved Kevin Rogers in any of the preparation of the Thanksgiving meal only involved in the consumption how is it working in the Rogers household with Mrs. Vegas Insider and the little man Mason and and potential relatives and in-laws what's the story for thanksgiving are you helping cook what's the deal i'm just driving that's all your sole role is transportation in this instance yeah that's all i'm just driving and you know that's just that's what i do and and i have, I have a lot of other things to do i can't worry about the cooking <laughs> the cooking maybe the cleanup all right turkey or ham we're going either or turkey or ham or both Tur- turkey stuffing yes no i'm not i'm not a big stuffing person uh cranberry yes no that's eh, fine. Pumpkin Good pie, enough. pecan pie. This is going to come up with no, Shannon Speck no. a little later. Neither. What's the no, des- no pumpkin, no pecan. I what's don't the, need that. What's the dessert? We don't have a dessert. We don't don't do dessert. No apple pie. Uh, apple pie is fine. You can have apple pie with some ice cream, and that's fine. Okay. All right. So that's good enough in the... But no, uh, I don't do the pecan. I don't I do not do that. Uh, okay. All right. So he's laying um, off of... Yeah, I'm more of a chocolate person. That's why I don't there chocolate really we go. go with Thanksgiving. Yeah. But that's that's kind of what I do. I don't like that other okay, stuff. Okay. So we get him the turkey, no. get him the stuffing, and get him a little chocolate fountain right over on the side, and he will be set. Kevin Rogers of VegasInsider.com. All right. So we got lots of Thanksgiving conversation, lots of college football. First thing to you, the, the latest reveal of the college 
football playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday night. Everything remained the same in the one through six, uh, which obviously sets into motion here that Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan in particular appear to be controlling their own destiny. Nobody can break that four unless those teams lose. And maybe in Alabama's case, they can even afford a loss. So we'll leave that alone for right now. Uh, UCF, a very interesting story. And again, we're in the state of Florida, uh, not the state of confusion. Can UCF crash into the top four eventually is one of the topics. They're now up at number nine. They moved in front of Ohio State. Very interesting. It's the highest ranking ever for a non-Power 5 school to be moved up to nine. They moved in front of Ohio State without Ohio State losing last week, although the Buckeyes were losing the whole game with Maryland. They won at the end in overtime when Maryland went for two and missed. My question to you, Kevin, with all of this being laid out in all the scenarios, is there a pathway, do you believe, that UCF can get into the top four here in the next couple of weeks? Now they're at nine. What say you? No, I don't think they will. I I just don't believe that'll happen because there's too many things that have to happen. Not only UCF has got to win two games, they have to beat USF and then win the American Championship, but I just think that, I think that the committee doesn't want them in. I think it's as simple as that, and, you know, even though people will complain, they're UCF fans, you know, it's so, you know, it's going to be, TJ, it's going to be one of those things, I know this is a horrible way to look at it, if for whatever reason, if, if everything broke right and UCF ended up getting into the top four, you know, if, if Notre Dame lost, if Ohio State beats Michigan and then somehow Northwestern beats Ohio State in the Big Ten title game and UCF jumps them, I think that the committee doesn't want to put UCF in because UCF, they would definitely put them against Alabama. Alabama would crush them and say, see, this is why we don't want them in there. We'd rather have bigger teams in. But I think on the flip side, too, not to compare it to college basketball, but I guess I will. And I know it's a different format, the way it's set up, that Loyola Chicago did right. win five or four games to get to the Final Four. They still did their business. That people, because of what UCF did last year and because of what they've done this year, if it worked out where they should be in the top four, not right now, they should not be in the top four right now, but if it worked out where they would be in the top four, I think you'd have a lot of curiosity if they played Alabama or Clemson be like okay let's see how good you really are all right and it's not their fault who's in their conference it's not their fault what conference they're in but let's just see what you're about and I don't think people in college football would really mind I don't think we really need Ohio State again we don't need them if they don't deserve to be there well I think what we would agree on is obviously if Notre Dame I just said this about the final four being locked if they went out if Notre Dame wins and they're undefeated we've agreed for three weeks they're in because of the national nature of Notre Dame Uh, the Northeast loves Notre Dame the upper Midwest loves Notre Dame television rating galore. That USC game will be in primetime Saturday night, and it will have a large number with Notre Dame going for the unbeaten season. If they're undefeated, they're in. If Michigan beats Ohio State and Columbus and wins the Big Ten title game, there's no hope for UCF or anybody else. Michigan's a one-loss Big Ten champ. They're going to be in. They're going to take them with the one loss being to Notre Dame. I would further submit if Oklahoma wins at West Virginia and Oklahoma wins the Big 12 title game, they would be poised to be in the top four and 
have a better argument than even an unbeaten UCF team. I buy that. So what you're going to have to have is you're going to have to have a second loss for Michigan, a second loss for Ohio State. Because let's be honest, Kevin, if Ohio State beats Michigan this weekend, they'll put Ohio State back in front of UCF with the one loss as the Big Ten division champ and playing in the title game. They'll go ahead and rank them in front. If Oklahoma has one loss, they're staying in front of UCF. Washington State is the iffy one, and I know this is going to come into the picks here in a minute, Three Dog Thursday. They have one loss. They have a questionable out-of-conference schedule. I don't know that Washington State would stay in front of UCF, even with one loss as the Pac-12 champ. But uh, On that hypothetical, weigh in for me. If, if it plays out that Washington State has one loss, they win the Pac-12, UCF is undefeated, would UCF maybe still be in front of them because of the strength of schedule stuff, or do you think they leave Wazoo in front of UCF? You know what? I think you'd have to put UCF barely in front of Washington State, and I know it's not right, but UCF is undefeated, right. and Washington State's schedule isn't great. And, you know, again, it's not your fault if the conference isn't great. You can't control USC and, and all those other teams, Washington, all those other teams that didn't have good years. But the fact of the matter is they're all really not good teams. So, unfortunately, you beat up on a lot of teams that – weren't that great and in Washington State's case what they could control out of the conference they played Wyoming they played San Jose State and they played Eastern Washington terrible out of conference scheduling no power five programs they have played some power five programs in the past they didn't do it this year and that may be a mark against them even as the Pac-12 champion with one loss that strength of schedule may hurt the Cougs coming up okay so there's the college football playoff backdrop two weekends to go losses could be happening We could see some mayhem this weekend and championship weekend. So where do we want to begin on Three Dog Thursday? Kevin, what do you like? I just mentioned them, so I might as well take them, right? The Washington Huskies facing the Washington State Cougars in the Apple Cup. And I get Washington is at a – you know what the funny thing about Washington is? I was about to say they haven't had a down season. They're in three. Right. Really, it's not that bad of a season for Chris Peterson. They're 2-9 and nine against the spread, which is not very enticing. But, you know, they lost that game to Auburn right out of the chute. And they lost to Cal by two. And they lost to Oregon in overtime. I mean, this is a team that really, again, you could say it's about a lot of teams, but a couple plays away from being right there. And, and it's just so funny when you look at it, it seems like Washington has been out of this thing where really they haven't. And Washington State, they've been great this year with Mike Leach, and they have a quarterback that could be up for the Heisman, and they've been really good defensively. But at the same time, though, Washington has owned them the last few years. And I know they had, I think a few years ago, Luke Falk didn't play in the final game, right. you know, so that didn't help Washington State. But I just look at the Huskies, that they've been terrible against the spread, but a lot of that has been as a huge favorite. The last time they were a dog was that Auburn game back in week one in Atlanta. But... I'm just going to go with, with history here with Washington, that they have Washington State's number. And also, they're still a pretty good team. They're pretty good. And, I, and you know what? If Washington ends up in, I don't know I don't know what bowl they would go to, if they went to the Holiday Bowl or, or whatever Always. it is. Right. Yeah, 
that they could basically be like, you know what, let's ruin Washington State's season. Washington State needs a win. They need two wins to have a shot to go to the final four. Let's ruin their season. And you know what? I think that will do that. How about that? And in Washington State's case, again, I went against them, and that game with Arizona was over with in the second quarter. I mean, both of my games were over with in the first half where Arizona just went to sleep for about five minutes of clock time, gave up a bomb, gave up a fumbled kickoff that that uh, that Wazoo fell on in the end zone. Game was basically over in the first half when they're down by, by 51 to 14 or whatever it was at the half. That's not going to be the case in this Washington game. It's a rivalry game. I'm very interested to see, again, if you're a UC fan, you're worried about your game, but you're wanting to see losses in front of you. Can Washington beat Washington State? We already know Utah is on the other side of the conference for the conference championship game for the Cougars. And uh, let's see how this one plays out. That is Saturday, or that's actually Friday night, excuse me, Friday night on Fox, National Black Friday television broadcast of that matchup. Uh, also going on on Friday night is a game that I will go to for Three Dog Thursday purposes. Uh, UCF, again, is playing earlier in the day. Should they win, they would be rooting hard for West by God, Virginia, taking on Oklahoma in the Big 12 regular season finale for both teams. And this is a scenario where these two teams could be playing against each other again the following week uh, in the Big 12 title game, depending on what happens. I like West Virginia. I know they had the wild game with Oklahoma State at Stillwater last week. We warned everybody that, hey, Oak State may have something for them because Oak State almost beat Oklahoma, did beat Texas. Well, they did beat West Virginia. They came back from 10 down and beat West Virginia last week. It has been a knockdown, dragout season in the Big 12. I think West Virginia against Oklahoma here. They will be lathered up on Friday night in Morgantown for Will Greer and company. Nobody plays any defense. Kyler Murray and Oklahoma will score. I think both teams will score. The game will probably be in the 40s or in the 50s, not the temperature. Uh, I think West Virginia wins this game, Kevin Rogers, and there's part of the help because West Virginia's got two losses. That would be help for UCF if Oklahoma has two losses in this game on Friday night. So, and again, these two teams could end up playing each other the following week in Dallas. They play in Morgantown and then turn right around and play in Dallas in the Big 12 title game with how this works out. Let's see. Let's see how it works out there on uh, on Friday. All right, so you're going to stay with just the one college underdog and come back with two NFL underdogs a little bit later on, correct? Yeah, that's it. Just the one, and you got a lot of games that are just very, very tough. I'm not taking Florida, Florida State. I mean, I think Florida State should lose just to end this thing. Just, just put them out of their misery and not try to go to a bowl game. <laughs> well, it's, it's fascinating because they threw the bomb at the end to beat Boston College, and now if they can somehow beat Florida, they salvage another season at the end where they would have a chance at a winning season. 41 consecutive winning seasons for Florida State. Most of that Bobby Bowden, that's what's on the line if Florida beats Florida State, that streak is over. Their bowl game streak is 37 years in a row. That would be over also if Florida wins that game. So we'll see how that plays out. And, and you're with me with with uh, Alabama playing at home with Auburn, Clemson playing at home with South Carolina in prime time on Saturday night. Th- those are likely easy wins for those two uh, as they look ahead to the conference championship game, right? So we're going to stay away from those for Three Dog Thursday purposes. Yeah, there's correct? no reason to take those. That's it. You're just hoping to take points there. Those teams aren't going to win. They're All right. Underdogs. Now, a team in the rivalry game uh, that is also Saturday that I like, I'll take a second college underdog, and that will be the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. 
Uh, I went with Georgia Tech earlier this year against Clemson, and that went horribly wrong as Clemson blew them out in Atlanta. They've played a little better, though, as the season has gone on, have kind of gotten their legs under them, and I love the triple option attack. I mean, look no further than last week where Cle- where Citadel, the Citadel was giving Alabama all kinds of problems with the triple option and the mobile quarterback, and the game was 10-10 at halftime. Again, in Georgia Tech's case, they've got the quarterback uh, Taquan Marshall, who's an outstanding triple option running threat in particular. I know Georgia's at home. I know that everybody is is aiming them for the college football playoff if they can win this game and then beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. That is a lot of points for Georgia Tech. I will take the 17 points at home. The Yellow Jackets have won their last four games. They've covered in three of the last four of those games. They didn't cover last week with Virginia. It was a six-point line. They only won 30-27, to but they got a four-game win streak right now. They've won six of seven. I think the triple option may bother Georgia some. Maybe they look ahead a little bit. Georgia will win the game, but I will take the 17 points and the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech for Three Dog Thursday purposes for the games this weekend in college football. Um, Matt Elliott is going to be talking Michigan-Ohio State. I mean, Kevin, you're not going to have an opinion on this game. We're going to hear from Matt in a little bit. How glued are you going to be to that one? That is Saturday at noon because, again, uh, my belief is Michigan wins the last two. They're in the playoff. The only thing Ohio State can do is mess it up for them in Columbus Saturday. Are you going to be interested in that one somewhat a little bit a lot i mean i like to see what happens i mean to be glued to it is a little bit of an overstatement i don't think i'm going to be like sitting there and watching the entire time i mean it is funny when you look at harbaugh and urban you know like who do you want to win less but with everything that's happened <laughs> ohio state i say go big blue well, I mean, there's there's a lot of rumor uh, circulating that Urban Meyer may be done at Ohio State, win, lose, or draw here, may look to go to the NFL and the Cleveland Browns. Would Harbaugh leave Michigan for the NFL and go to the Miami Dolphins? Stephen Ross is the owner of the Dolphins. I know you're in South Florida. You've been in and around the Dolphin broadcast. Stephen Ross wanted to hire Harbaugh five years ago and couldn't get it done when he was at Stanford uh, before, uh, uh, or when he, yes, when he was at Stanford back, uh, what, seven or eight years ago, he wanted to hire Jim Harbaugh. So who knows? It could be like a pro wrestling loser leave town match on what happens in this game in Columbus. And again, Matt Elliott will have more on this matchup. One loss, Ohio State. One loss, Michigan. That's coming up straight ahead on Three Dog Thursday. Mr. Rogers, rest up. Get ready for later on in the podcast and some NFL predictions. I got to talk to you about that Kansas City Rams game. Oh, look, the Rams just scored again. Uh, We got to talk about that uh, when you come back here to make some NFL picks on Three Dog Thursday, sir. All right. Yep, I will be here. All right, very good. Uh, More Thanksgiving conversations. Some Michigan and Ohio State straight ahead with Matt Elliott. Shannon Spake of Fox Sports still to be with us. Wayne Curtis of Smack Apparel. Kevin is back for NFL predictions. It is a feast of talk of underdogs and more and food as part of Thanksgiving on Three Dog Thursday. Stay with us. We do roll on on a Turkey Day gobble gobble edition of Three Dog Thursday. It is a massive game coming in the Big Ten with implications not only for the Big Ten championship game, the college football playoff. It is known as the game in their in their part of the world, in them parts with Michigan and Ohio State. And I always love catching up with my blues brother from another mother. Here is Matt Elliott, former Michigan 
All-American guard back with me as part of Three Dog Thursday. The big fella uh, had a lot of success against Ohio State, had an NFL career with the Panthers and the Redskins and the, and the Denver Broncos, and I'm always thrilled to get to talk to you. Happy Thanksgiving for this week, and this one really needs no more buildup, does it, with Michigan and Ohio State. It's good to have you. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you too, DJ, and and all the uh, women in your in your family, your household over there, because <laughs> you you got to deal with a lot of them. I have a lot of estrogen in my world. There is no question. You have some in your world, of course. I have an Abby. One of my twins is an Abby. You have an Abby uh, as well. Your daughter, and you always criticize me about the way that my Abby spells her name. But I always point out to you that yours. I mean, the audience doesn't care, but we care uh, that yours spells hers a by. And mine is Abby with the E-Y, but we both have an Abby, and both Abbies are excited because we get to be around Thanksgiving food and football. And this is like the one meal that my daughter may actually out eat me. <laughs> one of the very, very few. Well, and this I will say this, like. while we're just selling out our children on Three Dog Thursday, my two can eat as well. They are not going to get cheated throughout Thursday and the <laughs> leftovers of the weekend. They will not be cheated as well. So they love to cook and they love to eat. So we got all of this uh, lined up. I'll get back to Thanksgiving in a few minutes. Hey, is there anything going on in the greater Columbus area for this weekend and Saturday? Anything that you've heard about? Anything important? Anything big happening? I'm I'm actually going to wash my hair on Saturday and take a big nap. <laughs> go get a go get a Starbucks and just relax at the mall because that's so much calmer. Oh, for uh, I'm going to have a croissant. Uh, yeah, go, right. For those for yeah. those that don't realize this and understand this, and I probably should have set it up better. But then again, I'm loopy. It's Thanksgiving week. Matt is a former Michigan All American, but it's like you're in the CIA. I've joked with you for years that you're living in the Columbus, Ohio area in the Dublin Dublin suburb of Columbus. So it's like you're undercover as a double agent or something in, in Ohio and the game is in Columbus for this weekend. So what is this like? We're a couple we're a few days out, but what is this like heading towards you know arguably one of the biggest games every year in all of football and you're in that area and you're a Michigan guy. What I have really always enjoyed is the fact that Michigan as an overarching entity gets into everyone's head so badly in this part of the world, in this city and and the alumni and everything that has to do with it, they have difficulty communicating during this week because no one will use the letter M on a keyboard. You you look at their Twitter feeds, you look at Facebook, you look at, you know, heck, even the Columbus Dispatch will will take the M out of their flags, uh, out of their um, uh, um, masthead, rather, out of their masthead, you know, on Saturday morning, it's pretty darn funny. So all, all of my neighbors and friends in town that, that are associated uh, by hook or by crook with, with this school have great difficulty communicating because they're so, we're so in, in their head that they can't even use the letter M. Yeah, that's a good that's it. a good way to put it. Now you played in this game that is coming up. Yeah. Give us that unique <laughs> insight. And you played in it what four times total. What what is it like right, to yeah. be part of this? Well, this rivalry goes so far back. Um, it even predates football. You know, you, you can talk about um, that little strip of land. Be you know, just off. Um, um, or that, that lies kind of in between Ohio and Michigan, uh, right off the, uh, the, the the waterway there. That was actually the state militia's 
150 years ago or even longer, I, I forget the exact date, I think it's the early 1800s, the two state militias battled over it. And the funny thing was, it was a bit of a swampland at the time, but it was access to, you know, to, to waterways uh, that they were battling over. And uh, oddly enough, you know, the, the militia from Michigan stopped and, and turned around and looked north and said, we've got a little water around the rest of our, uh, our state going up that way. We'll, we'll just walk away from this one. So there, there's, it's, there's a little territorial boundary difference when you look at uh, if it were a straight line coming over from the uh, east side of Ohio, it actually juts up a little. I want to say it's like a 16-mile difference or something, oddly enough, um, that they were battling over 150 years ago, even before uh, football was being played. But I mean, that's, that's just a, a long, drawn-out story to, to just describe just how bad the the two schools like each other, certainly during this week. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's permeated every sport, you know, hockey teams, basketball teams, uh, you know, the, the field hockey teams, the lacrosse teams, soccer teams, nobody likes one another. And it's pretty, pretty fun to watch those battles happen. But for football, because it is played in front of 100,000 people, um, really exemplifies the just the, the, the excitement around something like this. And, you know, certainly Woody and Bo and their 10-year war, um, and I think the, 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 the volleys, they, they threw back, back and forth to one another. <laughs> you know, I believe Woody, was, Woody told all of his coaches that they went up to Michigan to recruit, recruit kids that they had to fill gas cans and put them in the trunk because he wasn't going to allow them to spend one nickel inside that godforsaken state and things like that. You know, can't get a hotel room, you have to sleep in the car, and, you know, crap like that, which is actually pretty darn funny at the end of the day. Yeah, that, uh, that gives you a taste of what it is like. Uh, for a Michigan player for this week, I always, I've talked to Matt for years. He and I have had a relationship, uh, uh, friends broadcasting together, et cetera. I've interviewed him so many times on this subject, and this never gets you old. You know, you're still broadcasting, and I'm not. Well, yeah, but you're also, you're also <laughs> making millions selling medical equipment and God knows what else, and so I, I defer to you on all things well. financial. Because, again, in, in radio, we're doing this for T-shirts and free food coupons, babe. So, in right. any, in, in you any, and I both had... We had faces for radio. Right? Yes, this is very true. You, I've asked you this for so many years, but for a Michigan player this week, relate what this is like in preparation, what's going on, and especially if you're going to Columbus to play, Matt. Right. It was it was so special, um, and I'm sure that sense of of, of uh, high regard is is certainly not lost on Jimmy as well, uh, Coach Harbaugh playing for Bo in, in, in the history of, of the game at that point, you know, because he, the great speeches are not given on Saturday morning. The great speeches start after, in this case, after the Indiana game last Saturday. Um, Bo, tell, Bo told the story how um, you know, Michigan, they're, they're in 1969, his first year as a coach, they beat, I'm going to say someone like Wisconsin. I don't remember exactly. And the next game, it was Ohio State week. As soon as the as soon as the final gun went off for that game, and the guys came to the locker room, and Coach McCartney was commenting to Bo because because the guys were going nuts. They were higher than a kite, jumping and and, and yelling and and the, the way you celebrate in the locker room after after a big win. But this celebration was in preparation of playing Ohio State, and 
McCartney said to Bo, do you think we're, they're, they're getting too high too early? <laughs> yeah. And then in, you know, Bo's traditional way, absolutely not. Let them go because they can't get anything but higher from here. And that's, and that's what happens. You start thinking about this game as soon as the final gun, gun goes on, on the game previous and you spend every moment preparing for this weekend. You know, every, every coach will do this when he stands in a meeting room and says, this may be Ohio State week, but remember, classes come first and he'll hold up two fingers. Ohio State comes second and holds up one finger. Just to let you know that if there's a chance that you can study film and maybe miss your catch <laughs> class, go study film. Um, but you know, for for us, what was what was really fun uh, for me certainly, and and uh, for all five years, though it was the same broadcast over and over and over. Michigan had a uh, play-by-play guy by the name of Bob Uper, who was somewhat legendary in the industry, but he's been gone long enough that his name may be lost on, on some of your listeners at this point, but he was similar to a, 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 a was it Johnny Most? Who did Johnny, the, right, the Johnny Most of the Celtics, the Homer. Most, who, had a, who had a voice and a cadence and, a, and an exasperation in every word he said that he sounded like Johnny Most. He had, you know, he, would, he had been with the Michigan program as long as Ben Scully had been with the Dodgers or Chick Hearn had been with the Lakers. He right. had some, some legendary long, long-term broadcasters like that. And the equipment manager, John Falk, who just, they, they celebrated him his 45 years of service just the other day, would play cassette tapes with, you know, with a boombox out the uh, equipment room window and just fill the halls of the, the great calls and broadcasts by Bob Uper. So you have this, 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 this Johnny Most type, exasperated sound talking about the game, you know, and you, it sounded like Uper would have a heart attack even before Toe met Leather, just doing the starting lineups. The poor guy was just, I don't know how he didn't collapse at halftime. They'd have to resuscitate him every game. But that's that's the excitement that builds. And the signs on the lockers, what have you done to play better than so-and-so? And, and it's your counterpart. Not the guy you're going to play against, but it's your counterpart. On you know the offensive guards, when I played for Michigan, here's the guards and centers for Ohio State. What have you done to play better than this guy? And, you know, because you know inside and out the guy that you're lining across from, right? But so there, there's that kind of motivation. And, and you know, there's, there's also always been a, a war of words. Um, certainly, you know, 1986 when Jimmy Harbaugh flat out came out and said, I guarantee the victory. Um, I think uh, earlier this week, uh, Karan Higdon, he was kind of walked into his statement, but I don't think any athlete going into uh, a game like this doesn't, if they don't feel like they can they can guarantee a win, certainly in their own mind, they've already lost. Great point on that. I mean, everybody believes they're going to win, and especially in a rivalry game like this, it's a must-win, winner-take-all for the East Division. Right. The, the winner will get Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. Again, Matt Elliott, former Michigan All-American guard, who he and his Michigan teammates owned Ohio State in that part of the rivalry in the late 80s and the early 90s. You played right after Jim Harbaugh uh, in that era, yep. but it was it was an era where Michigan did very well in this series and, and was almost dominant in this series. Is it still as big a source of pride as I would anticipate that, that it is for the Michigan guys when you guys get around and talk that you, that you owned Ohio State like that when you played? Absolutely. There's, there's a couple aspects to that. One, uh, I happened to be 
uh, honored by, by Jimmy with a bunch of other guys and was, was asked to be uh, one of the honorary captains for the Wisconsin game earlier this year. Um, and there, it was all offensive linemen. It was former you know, captains, all Big Ten, all Americans, uh, former pro players. We all, we all gathered on Friday night um, to, to, to kind of celebrate our history uh, before the game on Saturday. And one of the biggest topics of conversation was, remind me, you know, guys, you know, Ed Moransky, John Arbesnik, uh, Doug James, Jake Sweeney, George Lilja, uh, Tom Dixon, Walt Downing, um, uh, um, just got guy after guy after guy after guy, just legendary players that, you know, I stood on their shoulders and some younger guys who, who stood on my shoulders. Yeah. The first thing we'd ask one another is, Remind me, what was your record against Ohio State? <laughs> you know, it was almost like a name badge. They could put, you know, Matt, 4-0, right? You know, it was, it was that, that kind of conversation. Um, so, yes, it, it means it means that much. Um, and uh, I have no concept what my other point was going to be after saying all that. Well, so, no, but that's, that's, all right. that, that all, that's all that needs to be said. That's how much this game yeah. actually means. Uh, and that's neat yeah. that you got to be part of oh. that with, with Jim Harbaugh. Right. Hey, he has spiced the rivalry back up. Uh, again, you know, due respect to, uh, to Rich Rodriguez and what he had for success elsewhere. He didn't have it at Michigan. Brady Hoke had some initial success. He did coach under Bo at one point. But Harbaugh, Michigan man, through and through who played for Bo, he has spiced this rivalry up, at least as an outsider, as a media guy talking about that. In terms of the Michigan fan base, I mean, he stoked it. And for you guys as former players and alumni and the and the hardcore fans, this is the exact thing you need in a game like this is to have that guy as your leader, I would think, in terms of, of confidence and being able to win, right? Absolutely. I think, uh, well, you know, he's, he's also been that guy the last three years um so you know frankly you know jimmy needs a win uh against ohio state he he's had a couple against uh against michigan state he has has, uh has some good wins against wisconsin he needs to win this game and i don't think there there's an alumni player who wouldn't stand there and say i'm excited that you have uh three 10 win seasons under your belt but you need to win this game um and i don't think jim would uh would say anything other than that at this point. Do I like, do I like the the historical um, uh, presence that he brings and, and things like that? Absolutely. I, I, I enjoy that that uh, you know he, he he views this as much of a, as a rivalry as, as anyone who's, who's put on the helmet uh, on either side of the ball, uh, and I think that's important for this game. This this is a game like so many others out there, uh, but I think this one more so than than any other really. You throw the record book out the window. When toe when toe meets leather at twelve oh seven this Saturday, um, you know it it is it is play by play, mano a mano. Um, everything you have done leading up to the season doesn't matter. It doesn't matter a hill of beans because it's it's every play you have to win. Um, and if you don't, and and Ed Moransky, we spoke to the team Friday. You know those those alumni players uh, spoke to the Wisconsin uh, before the Wisconsin game. He made a very good point when when we elected him and he spoke to the entire team. Games hinge upon two to three, sometimes four plays, and those those plays will determine much of the game. You don't know when they're going to happen. You don't know what it could be, but if you're doing your job to the best of your ability, chances are 
things will fall your way. Now, if your ability isn't good enough, uh, you know, as compared to the person across from you, well, then that, that's going to seal the outcome of the game right there. But, you know, it's, it's, it's that type of mentality that is going to really rule this game. I, you know, you, you look at, you look at so much about this game. Uh, the, I think the weather is going to be a factor. It's going to be low 40s and, you know, 80% chance of rain. That, for both teams, makes difficult playing conditions. So who's going to, you know, who's going to prevail in, the, in that type of weather? Who doesn't care about the weather? Well, I think everyone's going to tell you they don't care, but a team predicated upon throwing the ball is going to be a disadvantage. Well, and that's um, Ohio so State. If I can interject, that's Haskins and Ohio right. State. Their whole game is throwing right. the ball. They've barely run it at all this year. Well, he's, he's smashing all the records, but it's a good point that you make that they may I have agree. to adapt, and it may be advantage Michigan against the pass game, uh, well, depending on to a degree, I you know it, it becomes more difficult to throw the long ball because it's 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 a heavier ball and as is it's got that trajectory, it's going to come down faster and slicker in those hands. However, I'll say this though: Urban Meyer and his staff are not dumb. You know, Kevin Wilson is the offensive coordinator. They showed a wrinkle last week with Haskins running the football. He previously had not really run the football all season. Uh, I I foresee them getting it into the hands of Weber and Dobbins on the edge somehow or another as much as they can and trying to use their speed. Now, can they use it if, if, if the field is wet? It's, it's going to be a factor. You know, maybe not as much if it were a grass field versus an astroturf or field surf field, but I, I foresee them, you know, the threat of Haskins being able to run the ball a little bit more last week versus what he'd done all season and then getting Weber and Dobbins on the edge with the ball one way or another, I that's kind of my guess because they Ohio State has always been a very fast team. Michigan, pound the rock, run the ball downhill. Uh, I personally think when Joey, uh, when or not Joey, but when uh, Bosa uh, left the, the ball club, um, and trust me, he left the ball club. If you're in that locker room. You, you felt abandoned, and I think their defense has paid for it. Uh, I think that was a, 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 a blow to the gut to them that they have not recovered from, frankly. Um, and if I'm, I'm Michigan and those offensive linemen, the way they played against Wisconsin and Michigan State, they need to get back to that. Uh, I was not terribly excited about their performance the, the last couple of games. I think they're better than that. And if they get back to that and run the ball downhill, don't run sideways. Run the damn ball downhill. They're going to win the game. <laughs> Spoken like an offensive guard. Put it between the guard and the center and go right at them. And you're talking about Nick Bosa, who was injured earlier this year in the TCU right, game and you. then basically shut it down and said, I'm deuces, I'm out. I'm going to the NFL. I'm not going to be around anymore. Right. And again, Ohio State's defense has been riddled. They were last week. I mean, if you watch that game with Maryland, I'm not just saying you, but you collectively that are listening to us on Three Dog Thursday as I talk with Matt Elliott here, former Michigan All-American lineman. If you watch that game last week, Maryland dominated them offensively for three hours in that game and did basically whatever they wanted in that game and Ohio State has to be supremely concerned because that's happened three or four times Purdue did it to them Nebraska moved the ball on them and scored they've they've had problems all year long 
So we'll see if that's the case on Saturday. Again, I love your insight. When you played a game in Columbus, which you did a couple of times, do you have a specific memory about going into the horseshoe, beating them? What still resonates with you three decades later about playing and beating Ohio State at Ohio State as a Michigan man? I'll I'll say this. Both my wins in Ohio Stadium were last drive type wins. Uh, 1988, we it was a good battle back and forth. Um, Ohio State had scored to take retake the lead. Uh, they kicked off to John Colazar, and they should have never done that. Um, I was on the kickoff return team, and we ran a re- return we hadn't run in several games. Uh, you know, just a blocking scheme and a and a trajectory, if you will. I think Johnny got a pass midfield. Um, and we ended up scoring to win the ball game. And then two years later, 1990, I was actually uh, at center that season, um, and we drove down uh, to, to J.D. Carlson uh, to kick, who's now the controller for Penske Automotive, a uh, smart, successful guy. He was our place <laughs> kicker, a, 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 a recruiting class uh, a member, along with the long snapper Eric Troopy on that play. And uh, we, we drove down to kick a field goal to win it in the last second. That was Gary Moeller's first season as head coach. So both my wins down there were literally last drive, come behind, very satisfactory type wins. Both of them, I remember being gold. Um, I do remember, God, uh, I think they fixed, we were in grass in, on grass in 90, but 1988, I remember playing down there. There was on the visitor sideline, at what used to be the, yeah, it's still the closed end at about the 25, there was an electrical box access um, in the, in, uh, right in the middle of the field, you know, not out in the middle, but it was towards the sideline, about where the numbers were. I mean, out there for pregame or running around, you look at it and there's a, about a, 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 a 10 inch by 12 inch or maybe eight, eight by 10 or something like that, metal cover painted green because that was an electrical um, access point that they had to have for some godforsaken reason. And every time you stepped on it, you know, you're like, that's not AstroTurf. Why is there a great big metal plate in the middle of the damn field? Exactly. <laughs> They eventually had to figure that out and fix that. And, of course, now they yeah. use the field turf, and you're right. mentioning it might be wet, et cetera. But, yeah. I mean, those memories have stuck yeah. with you so all these. It's an angry crowd. Well, oh, sure. An and, angry, and, but when you crowd. win, yeah, all right, you've won in that stadium. When you win, I, I know it's not a national title. It's not a Rose Bowl, which you also right. won. But to win in that stadium as a Michigan man and walk off that field with the Michigan uh, Hail to the Victors playing and go into that locker room and celebrate in Columbus, I mean, that's all-time memory stuff for you it's got to be that i you know i'm going to use uh i think it was a denny green's um uh, colloquialism that's why you play the game <laughs> that's exactly you know, right why you play the game it, it's it's for those types of games for those types of emotions for those types of feelings for those types of memories that's why it's still the single greatest team sport out there and it's still the Michigan-Ohio State game is still the single greatest representation of that sport. Well, we're looking forward to that this weekend. couple of fun ones before I, I boogie out of here on Three Dog Thursday. Again, Kevin Rogers still coming. We're going to make some okay. NFL Thanksgiving predictions, etc. He'll be back on the show here in a bit, but I love reminiscing with Matt Elliott. Let's talk before we get to Saturday noon in Columbus, and again, you're in that area. Uh, Thanksgiving. 
Uh, okay, pop quiz. Do you have any role whatsoever in the preparation of the food? Only consumption, or do you prepare some? What's the deal? Well, the, the question was very specific. Do I have anything to do with the preparation of the food? I, I have helped shop for it. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure I will go get things out of the freezer in the fridge. Uh, I'm sure I will be responsible for getting the icky stuff out of the turkey. Um, but my biggest role is to clean. I am unfortunately a neat freak. Uh, call it an OCD if you want. But my biggest job is to just clean up the whirlwind uh, that is directly behind my wife as she cooks on Thanksgiving. So, so the way that I would phrase it... The way I would phrase it is you have no role in preparation, but you have role in consumption and then sanitation. You're going to be cleaning up afterwards. That's a fair assessment of what's going to happen yeah. in the Elliott household. That is fairly accurate. Now, now, cleaning up after she cooks, cleaning up after the meal, I plan to be out cold. Uh, so that, <laughs> that may fall to my children. Uh, that may fall to the dogs. Uh, we'll see what happens in that regard. Uh, but tryptophan, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. I struggle with mightily. I struggle with it mightily. I understand. We uh, all do really, as we get older with the. F- okay, so I, how long do, in the Elliott household? How long do the leftovers last? Do they go until Friday afternoon? Do they make? Does any of it make it well, till Saturday, or is it all consumed? We we actually had a pretty good sized bird, and and unfortunately, we had a couple uh, family members have to, have to cancel in terms of uh, coming to our place. My my parents are coming over, and a couple of my. Uh, my, my siblings were, were going to make it and their families, but we've had one cancellation. So that just means more bird on Friday and Saturday, which uh, <laughs> is, is the greatest thing known to man. You know, we've, we've already got some really good, hearty bread to make the turkey sandwiches on. Um, and the tur- turkey sandwiches day after, two days after Thanksgiving, are truly just as good as Thanksgiving meal itself. They I agree. They are. I concur. All right, another fun one. You have always mentioned to me, and you've been you've been in that area for more than a decade. That you will not go, you will not set foot in the horseshoe in Ohio State Stadium. So, watching this, even though you're in the area, watching this Saturday, not in the stadium. What is? Are you you gonna have to be alone, pacing back and forth, Ohio State, Michigan, or how do you watch it? Did you would be you'd be surprised. I rarely raise an eyebrow watching a game on TV. Now, when, when I'm in the stands, I've been to you know, a handful of games since, uh, since I played, um, and I get excited and I cheer and you know, get with the crowd. But when I'm at home, uh, I rarely raise an eyebrow as I watch a game. Um, and people have asked me, aren't you excited? I said, I'm terribly excited. I just, I've done that four times. I, you know, I don't have the ability to get as excited as I used to be. But, you know, you, you can hear me today. I, I'm very excited about the game, but I'm I'm not one of those who jumps up and down and paces and curses and things like that. I, that's just not my not my mantra, man. I understand. Uh, also, this man is trying to navigate while driving. He's multitasking here. I love it. Don't get don't get lost on my account. Don't miss the turn. Just pay attention enough there well. to well. uh, to uh, to that. Matt Elliott with me for just another moment or two. Okay, speculate for me if Michigan gets this and gets to the Big Ten title game. 
Uh, it's obviously enormous to have beaten Ohio State in Columbus and go get to the title game and have a chance at the college football playoff. Put it in perspective for me because, as you mentioned, there's a lot of eyeballs on Jim Harbaugh. You better win this game. This is a game that's eluded him. If they get it, how big a deal is it with the understanding you still have a Big Ten title game before we even talk CFP and college football right. playoff? What about it? Well, I, I think Jim does, has done a pretty good job of, of keeping the guys focused. You know, realizing last week Indiana was a game they should have won. And they did win, and Indiana did some things offensively that, um, you know, normally I, I don't think Don Brown would have allowed and, and that defense would have allowed. I, you know, you never would want to admit it, but there were probably some peering eyes uh, on you know, on, on the Michigan sidelines looking at the next game. Um, it's hard not to when you know the implications. Um, however, uh, you know, seeing, letting, you know, Michigan play Northwestern a second time, I do not think, especially the, the, the manner in which Michigan had to win that game, I don't think bodes well for Northwestern uh, at the end of the day. I think uh, the things that Don Brown will do defensively uh, the, the next couple of weeks here, uh, not only you know, against Ohio State, uh, there's going to be some wrinkles. They, he, I think everyone has admitted that they're, uh, they're going to empty the playbook uh, this weekend. Um, both sides of all things that nobody has seen um, all season. So it, it's who's disciplined, who is, uh, who is uh, the best at their assignments uh, and keeping track of, of what they're supposed to be doing. But looking forward to the Big Ten Championship, assuming Michigan. I don't think Northwestern stands a chance against either team, frankly. As much as I, I, I adore Pat Fitzgerald and his program, I, I truly, uh, if I did not play for, for Bo at Michigan, I would have liked to pay, play for Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern. I think that is a special, special program he's got going on there from, for so many different aspects. However, I don't think they stand a chance against either team. I hope it's going to be Michigan, um, and I, I'd like to see Michigan's team speed on AstroTurf against Northwestern because I think uh, playing it on grass up at their place um, made a difference. Uh, you know, the, it's I think it's uh, I think it's something that's overlooked these days in, in college football in general is what what happens to a team on on AstroTurf versus grass, uh, the way they're built to play. Um, but that's that's just my opinion. Um, you know, you, you can see it with some of the SEC schools that once you know when they get off off the grass onto AstroTurf, they they hit a different gear. Um, but I think that's what's going to happen. The bigger picture and the college football playoffs, you know, so much of that is it's it's in other people's hands, and that, I think that's the way Jimmy looks at it. The team has looked at it. I think I've heard heard that discussed by by those people is that hey, it's, it's wonderful and it's great that people are putting us at number four, but we still have to continue to win and perform to be in that position. We, you know, you, you go to the Big Ten Championship by winning this game. Just because you win this game or just because you win the Big Ten Championship doesn't necessarily mean that you're all, it's an automatic thing. Uh, so there's, there's that aspect of 
you can only control sure. what, what you're But I will say this. To. I'll interject and I'll, I'll prop you up and I'll even say if Ohio State gets it done. I mean, if you, if you win the Big Ten with one loss, and in this case, in Michigan's case, the only loss is to Notre Dame, who it looks like they're right. going to also be in the playoff and you won the Big Ten title game, Michigan's going to be in. They're going to be the fourth team. It's a matter of who are they playing, Alabama or Clemson. Um, we'll we'll yep. see. So uh, take care of business, uh, and then the, and the rest will take care of itself. Ohio State might be a more interesting if they were to win, and they're not impressive against Northwestern, let's say, but still win, and they're eleven and one. Might they get jumped? That's maybe. But Michigan, with the only loss being to Notre Dame, if they win in Columbus and they win the Big Ten title game, they got nothing to worry about for the play. I'm speaking it. I'm speaking the truth. I'm banging the gavel here for all the Michigan fans. You're in if you win these next two games. But okay. the first one is obviously the uh, the large win in Columbus. I think we've covered it all. Is there anything else you'd like to say about this that that we didn't cover? Uh, we got Thanksgiving. We got the game Saturday. What else, Matt Elliott? <laughs> we've talked about our daughters. Uh, yes. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think regard. we covered it all. We're, and the fact that you yeah. hate the Buckeyes is is prevalent and always there in any of our conversations. And that's not a bad thing if you're a Michigan guy. So that's good. You know what? And and I'm sure that the if roles reversed. Uh, they hate me as well, and I'm happy with that. But you've told me this on more than one occasion, that the Ohio State players, as a tradition for 60 years, 70 years, however long it's gone on, they get a pair of gold pants as a medallion for a necklace, right? That's their big that's their Correct. big to-do if they beat Michigan. And you love the fact that for your four years in Ann Arbor, there's not a single Ohio State player that got a pair of gold pants medallion off of Matt Elliott and his Wolverines. Am I right? Correct. Correct. So there's another source of pride as he introduces himself this weekend as Matt Elliott 4-0 against Ohio State. I love that part, too. Just have a name tag, have a a badge for this weekend. Listen, as if I have to tell you this, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving with the family. Enjoy the game on Saturday, which should be wild, with Michigan in Columbus in the horseshoe against Ohio State. Thank you for the time on Three Dog Thursday. Let's see what happens. I always love it. I love talking to you. I love this time of year. Thank you. You were great. It is always a pleasure, TJ. I, I, I look forward to this chat every year. Oh, and hey, one thing. Remember, wherever you go, go blue. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by SmackApparel.com for great in-your-face college theme and nfl theme tees. Go to SmackApparel.com and take 10% off with the promo code 3DOG for Three Dog Thursday. It's SmackApparel.com and the promo code 3DOG. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. NFL football, lots of football, lots of food, lots of fun coming this week. Thanksgiving Day triple header and then games this weekend, including on the NFL on Fox. It will be the Giants and the Eagles from Philadelphia. She will be on the sideline. I got to be around Shannon Spake of Fox Sports last week as the Giants beat my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. She's back on the Giants television network, I think, for this week with Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman as they work the game with the Eagles. Good to have you. Happy Thanksgiving, young lady. Good to good to get to talk with you a little bit in advance of all the football, the food, the fun, as I like to say. 
and the wine. You forgot about the wine, too, right? Well, Football, it's a little food, early right wine. now. At the time that we're taping, it's a little early in the day, but I guess you can pace yourself and go through that. My, my question would be, uh, is it a two-bottle weekend, a three-bottle weekend, because you've got the kids off from school, and you've got in-laws and relatives, and, and oh, by the, by the way, we're working, too, while we're at it. We have Yes. Well, not on the weekend, because I'll be working on the weekend. So unfortunately, it will not be any bottles on the weekend, uh, but certainly we'll be enjoying ourselves on Thursday. We uh, we, ha- we have family here in the Charlotte area, so we bring the kids down there and, and uh, just have a good time. Okay. So before we get to the football, I get to have fun with you, because I said to you, we got to talk about cooking for Thanksgiving. And you immediately said back yeah. to me on the sideline, MetLife Stadium, East Rutherford, <laughs> New Jersey, you said what to me? No, I don't cook. <laughs> you don't cook at all, no. or you don't cook like big meals. I mean, I cook like I'll make my kids eggs in the morning or um, <laughs> something like that. But I'm not. I'm not a cook. I don't enjoy it. My husband enjoys doing it, so I let him do it. He's, okay. he's really, really good at it. Like he's like make his own pasta, kind of good at it. Right. So I let him handle that, and and he enjoys that, and and I take care of the kids. I understand. <laughs> so you make toast, you make cereal. I mean, I am somewhat yes. dangerous. My wife is very good in the kitchen, but I'm somewhat dangerous with what I make. So that begs the follow up question: Is he in charge of the turkey or the ham or whatever you're having? or who is in charge, because I feel obligated on behalf of all of our audience here to wonder, are you going to have the main course on the Thanksgiving plate here? So who's in charge of that for Thanksgiving? My husband does a fried turkey every year, so he does a fried turkey, and so we do that. And um, yeah, yeah. So he's a veteran uh, with this, uh, with the fried turkey, because that can go bad. Yeah. I've seen it go bad where she starts rising out of the, the hot oil in the fryer like a Saturn rocket, as somebody once said to me. So you got to be no. careful with the fried. He's a veteran. No. He's an expert. Okay. Yes. Yes, he is. He's, he's good at it. Now, what about dessert? Just real quick before we move on to football. Do you have a favorite Thanksgiving Day dessert at all? Pumpkin pie. You got Pump, Pumpkin pie? Not pecan yeah, pie? Absolutely. Not apple pie? No, I'm, I'm a pumpkin kind of girl. I'm a pumpkin pie kind of girl. Okay. All right. And this young lady does a great job, again, with NASCAR, with the football, <laughs> with everything, and she's a pumpkin pie. And she does Ironman triathlon stuff and runs, and so I there's do. only going to be like a small piece of pumpkin pie, if that's the case. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's, All right. That's on, on to the football. <laughs> you and I saw the Giants at field level against the Buccaneers, my, bu- my Buccaneers. And my Buccaneers right now in this Thanksgiving holiday, uh, there are a lot of teams that should be thankful uh, because when the Buccaneers show up, they're in the giving mood right now for thanksgiving they give away turnovers Uh, unfortunately they give they give confidence to the other team i mean eli and company had not been playing with great confidence eli was 17 for 18 in the game on sunday he ought to be confident for this game in new york but better than me speak to that what did you see out of the giants as they get ready to play the eagles coming this week well, the interesting thing about the Giants is they do have so many amazing weapons, right? Not just Saquon, but Odell Beckham Jr. and Sterling Shepard. Like, so many guys who can go out, get the ball, or, or run the ball. And I just think that offensive line has been the real challenge for them. And obviously, we know what Eli can do in terms of he, he's a vet. He's been he's been in this league for so long and, and, and as a pro. I mean, that's the first thing when I talk to JPP about Eli Manning and about coming back um, to, to New York this past weekend, you know, I asked him to kind of scout Eli for me. What was, what are his weaknesses and and what are his you know his um, his strengths? And I mean, it was pretty much all strengths in terms of him being a vet, knowing how to distribute the ball. But you know, JPP did tell me it was the offensive line that that has been giving him fits. And so uh, again, I, it, it's one of those things on paper they look super good, and then unfortunately they just. 
uh, obviously a couple of games, a couple of victories. But um, they're going into Philadelphia this week, and, and Philadelphia was embarrassed on Sunday, and they are going to be hot. And they're, you know, and it's and it's their and it's their crowd. I've never done a game at Philly, and I'm I'm really excited about doing that <laughs> in terms of the environment. Yeah, I know. I mean, I had never done a game in New York until this season as well, and I did a Jets game, and it was one of those things where you kind of realize how um, how intense the fan base is, and I can't wait to experience it in Philadelphia this weekend. Oh yeah, it's something else there at Lincoln Financial, where the Bucks have a long history with the Eagles, and I, I've done some games as well at MetLife, and that that giant crowd. Hey, I know they were two and seven coming into the game, but that place was yeah. full. It was cold. They were loud, and the Giants made mm-hmm. some things happen. You got to love the New York fans and that whole atmosphere. All right, you and I saw him. It was my first look at field level at Saquon Barkley last week. Better than me, you testify for the Three Dog Thursday congregation. He's thick. He's got elusiveness. He can catch the ball. What did you see out of the out of the Giants rookie? I've been covering Saquon for probably four or five years because I covered a ton of his games at Penn State, uh, both at ESPN and at Fox. He's incredible. And listen, I mean, it's one thing to be an, an extremely gifted athlete, right? It's, it's one thing to have a God-given talent, but that boy works. He works hard. He doesn't just settle on his on, on what he was given and, and the skills that he that he just has naturally. He's a hard worker. And on top of that, he's one of the nicest one of the nicest people, uh, not only players, that I've ever been around. And uh, so he's a complete package. But it is it is something else to see what he can do um, from 10 feet away. It isn't, you know, I, there are a lot of players out there, and that's one thing when people ask me about covering the NFL, why I like the NFL so much. And it's because of the athleticism that I see every single weekend. I mean, I, Julio Jones, Stephon Diggs, uh, Saquon Barkley, Odell Beckham Jr. You just you kind of sit there and go, wow. And that was certainly the case this weekend. That was a wild touchdown in the corner of the end zone where he cradled that ball like the like the golden dessert on the Thanksgiving Day table mm-hmm. out there in those hands. If, if there's somebody in the NFL that has stronger hands than him, I'd love to see who that is because he's phenomenal with the catches. And again, we get to watch these things at field level. And the thing about Barkley, yeah. again, is they will throw it to him. And Eli uses him yes. as the outlet, as the check down, and he goes and makes something happen out of a five-yard catch, can turn it into a 20, 30, 50-yard play. So... The Eagles had better be uh, ready for that. I know we're early in the week and you haven't done a lot in and around the Eagles as of yet, but I I got to see some of that game as we were flying home Sunday night and the Saints just pounded them shockingly. And you wonder if Philadelphia is reeling now for this game with the Giants just just from that beatdown. I know the Cowboys beat them on Sunday night, but uh, uh, Shannon, that was ugly Sunday in the Superdome. And you wonder if it's a hangover effect here for them. Listen, TJ, if I'm an Eagles fan, I hope that, that they're really – I hope that they walked I mean, walked away from that game. I mean, they, they played at times like they looked like they were standing still. I mean, obviously, we know what New Orleans is capable of. We know Drew Brees is, is a Hall of Famer and one of the best and playing his best um, probably ever right now. And uh, so certainly – and there in the Dome, 
the challenges were all there, but still, they, they, if I was an Eagles fan, I would, I would say they better be, they better be really, they better be ready for this weekend. And, and I think that they will be. They, you, you saw Carson Wentz walk off when he threw one of those picks. I mean, he was mad, right? He was throwing stuff and, and there was a lot of emotion. And that emotion, I'm sure, will carry on to this weekend. Listen, it doesn't matter what their record is. It's Thanksgiving weekend and it's the New York Giants against the Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> at Philadelphia. I don't care what their record is. This game is going to be, uh, it's going to be legit. It also begs the question whether Shannon Spake has a hard hat, like at the construction site, because they love to throw D-cell batteries and all kinds of things at the Giants hey, and at the opposing it. fans. I, I- in NASCAR, and I've, I've worked, I've worked races in NASCAR. I've had beer bottles raining down on the, on the track before. Like Gordon passed Dale Earnhardt's all-time win. Whenever Dale Jr. would get moved out of the way for a victory, we would have uh, beer bottles coming down. So uh, I'm, I'm ready for it. She has hazard pay in the background for this Philadelphia versus Giants game that is coming. And look, the NFC East is upside down. I mean, Alex Smith going down with the horrific broken leg. The Cowboys appear to be back. We'll see what the Cowboys do. And again, you may be listening to the podcast later in the weekend after the Thanksgiving Day game with Colt McCoy returning to Texas as the as the Redskins quarterback against the Cowboys. But the Cowboys appear to be back. Can the Eagles get some swagger back? We're going to find out uh, down the stretch uh, of the season. So uh, it should be a lot of fun in that regard. Hey, and one more. I always love having you on for many different reasons. Joey Logano wins the NASCAR oh. a chase for the, for the Monster Energy Cup uh, yeah. series uh, at Homestead in South Florida from this past weekend. And that was a surprise because Logano was the one guy out of the four that could win it that wasn't as expected to win it. This is why we love the playoffs. You never know what can happen happen right yeah yeah oh my gosh so it's funny because i you know after we got off that game this past weekend you know tampa and in new york i'm sitting in the uh in the airport club level i've got my computer up watching the race and and i'm watching new orleans and, and philadelphia on another screen and I, i'm a i'm a huge joey logano fan i've known joey since he was about 15 years old which certainly dates me a little bit but he's now 28 and he's accomplished so much he's one of um he, he's a he's a great kid. He's a great race car driver. He rubs he rubs people the wrong way from time to time on the racetrack. But it but it really that's just because you need some of that. If I can interject, if if I can mind. interject on that, you need yeah. some of that rub people the wrong way because that's yeah. why people want to watch and gravitate to it. No doubt, and you know, and, and listen. I mean, he's he's now won Roger Penske. Uh, what a, I mean, he's Roger Penske is a legend in the NASCAR garage. Roger Penske is a legend in IndyCar. He is a legend in all forms of racing. And so for him to win a, a victory, a championship, it's it's always fun to see the captain get that done. But I, I'm a big fan of Joey, the first time champion. The emotions were there, and I think that he played the last ten races of the season perfect. You know, he 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 moved Martin uh, Martin Truex Jr. out of the way at Martinsville to get that win to transfer onto Miami and if he had not done that the championship would not be sitting in his lap right now so it was a it was a tremendous season we actually wrapped our show NASCAR Race Hub yesterday so today's my official first day of of hiatus and and of for uh, NASCAR but um, yeah it was it was a tremendous way to end the season that started obviously back in February in Daytona Shannon Spake with us for just another moment here on Three Dog Thursday yes NASCAR uh, has one of the shortest off seasons because it'll be Daytona before we know it here in a couple of months Mm -hmm. so enjoy the the quick time off from that hey one more fun one I think yeah it's it's like less than 90 days and we're back at Daytona one more fun one because you told you told me this before you told us this before on podcast interviews Uh, you were a big Dolphin fan growing up in South 
South Florida. So a fun one. Jason Taylor is now in the Hall of Fame. Zach Thomas has been named as a Hall of Fame semifinalist. I can't remember. Did you have the Jason Taylor jersey or the, the Zach Thomas jersey? You had the poster of one or both of them. What about that? They're from the old Dolphins of the of the 90s and the early 2000s. What about Zach Thomas? Do we have the jersey? Do yeah, we have the poster? I have one jersey. I have one jersey, and that is number 54. And I have it in green and white. And when I was in college, Zach, he, when he was a uh, rookie at Miami, he actually lived in the same apartment complex as, as me and some of my girlfriends. And so we would drive past his house all the time because we knew Jason Taylor would be there. And so we'd always kind of drive by just to see him. Um, but I am number 54. I, it's the only one. And, and I was very blessed. I, I've been so blessed in my career to do such amazing things. And I was so blessed to cover the game when Jason Taylor got his ring, um, Hall of Fame ring at Miami. We actually had that game and I got to interview him on the sidelines. And before we went on, I, I looked at him and I said, listen, 15 years ago, I was a knucklehead sitting in the stands, you know, drinking beer, watching you guys play. I said, and now I'm down here interviewing you. Those moments, TJ, are not lost on me. And it was such a cool uh, career moment for me to interview someone who I admired for so long, respected for so long, and really just loved to watch him play. So I am Zach Thomas. I am on board. <laughs> he is he is the guy. I got to do a game at Texas Tech uh, last year. And, I mean, he's, his poster is still on the wall in the training room. And I just thought it was a cool thing for me to be there kind of at the same place that he went to, to college. How about that? So maybe Zach will get to be a finalist. We'll see if he eventually gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Shannon Spake's backing him. She's going to have the jersey on for the selection process in January. Uh, She's backing him when I'll it comes you, around. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a funny story, too. I remember one time I was at, I was at a bar after one of the Dolphin games, and I was wearing a Zach Thomas jersey, and uh, there was a guy there that looked at me and was like, do you even know what position Zach Thomas plays? <laughs> and I was like, um, yeah. I do. <laughs> Wrong question to ask, Miss Speck. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm a huge Zach Thomas fan. But Chris Gilman also on that nomination list. And, yes. Uh, he obviously is my is my uh, one of my dearest friends and, and someone that I admire. And that 54 get in as well. Love to see that. And again, Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman and Shannon Spake will be on the call of Eagles and Giants for this weekend on Fox. She's joining me on a Turkey Day Gobble Gobble edition of Three Dog Thursday. Listen, thank you. I know you are busy. You have a rare day off. You took 15 minutes to chat with me. Go have fun with your kids. Uh, please uh, do well with all the relatives and the in-laws as all of us try to survive the relatives, the in-laws for the next couple days and the leftovers and the football. Thank you, Shannon fake thank you so much Three Dog Thursday Thanksgiving edition, and what a treat. I, I know this guy's been hustling around, and in fact, he's joining me now from the Pacific Northwest because he's visiting his daughter, his son-in-law, and the grandchild. So, Wayne Curtis, welcome in. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and I appreciate you spending a minute or two away from the grandchild and all the preparation for Thanksgiving to talk a little bit about smack apparel and some football. How are things? First of all, you're all right? Grand, grandbaby is good? Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, but hopefully I'm just uh, helping cleaning up. But <laughs> <laughs> As we've joked we with others, your role is consumption and then sanitation, right? Eat and then clean up afterwards. That is your role for Thanksgiving exactly. and the weekend. That, I, I hope that's it, yes. Now, we should say it is rivalry weekend in college football all over the place. Obviously, you're from Florida, smackapparel.com, uh, based in Florida. But you're in the Pacific Northwest where they're going to be going crazy for Oregon, Oregon State, the Civil War. 
for the Apple Cup. Washington, Washington State is to the north of you. An exciting game on Friday. And really, we want to plug for the fans, whether we're talking about the Michigan-Ohio State game that we've already talked about, or Florida-Florida State, or Alabama-Auburn, pick a rivalry. You guys have got great selection at SmackApparel.com to get after your rival as part of Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, and ordering up some shirts, Wayne Curtis. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what we do. It's all about the rivalries. And uh, uh, obviously, this week is going to be huge for for college football fans i'm actually i haven't told my wife but i'm gonna maybe sneak a thing in there and say hey would you mind if uh my son and uh my son-in-law jeff if we went over down to corvallis it's only 74 <laughs> miles right i've never been there i'd be neat neat experience even well, though I think Oregon's going to whack them. But, they yeah. may, but uh, these these rivalry games have a funny way of working out where Oregon State's been bad in the past and they've, they've been able to beat Oregon. You never know, and it's the Civil War. They've been playing that game, I think, for like 90 years, Oregon and Oregon State. So yeah. you might have to sneak and see yeah. that one uh, for all this. But, yeah, I mean, a couple of shirts specifically that we want to tell the audience about. A lot of focus on that Michigan-Ohio State game, and you've got the Urban Liar shirt because Urban's had some problems with the truth, especially this year. You've got that in the Michigan maize and blue, right, for Michigan fans? Yes, Urban Liar, the new standard of Columbus. Uh, <laughs> it kind of looks like the Oscar Mayer logo. Got that. You know, got, I, you know, for Ohio State, I don't often hate, but when I do, I prefer to hate the Michigan Wolverines. Got baby wear. Is it just me or the Wolverines stink? Uh, Woody's looking down and he still hates Michigan. Uh, <laughs> and the same stuff, you know, a lot of stuff on the same side from Michigan. So, and if Michigan does, in fact, close the deal and beat the four teams that beat them last year, Wisconsin, Michigan State, uh, Penn State, and finally Ohio State, we'll have a really neat revenge tour shirt uh, come out uh, That's Saturday cool. night. With ah, the there's a little runner. tip. they gotta, they got to go on SmackApparel.com Saturday night if the Wolverines win and check out the selection, and we'll say this a couple of times, our promo code for 3Dog Thursday is 3Dog. The number 3 and D-O-G works for 10% off on all of these shirt orders, so use that promo code. So look out for the Michigan shirt. And if you're an Alabama fan for the Alabama-Auburn Iron Bowl, You've got the the they only hate us because they ain't us Alabama shirt. What is that up to now? Like 17, 19, 57 national championship years and, yeah, and trophies on the lot. shirt. I love it. I love it. 17, 17. So uh, they're looking kind of like 18, but we'll see. That's why they play the game. You never know. Maybe the dogs can sniff them. I don't think uh, I don't think uh, Auburn has the team this year, especially at being in Tuscaloosa. But you never know. That is true, and they've also yeah, got that shirt. Got that one, one right? Florida, Florida, Florida State stuff, uh, fun stuff. Uh, well, you've also uh, one I wanted to tell too. You've got for the Clemson fans. It's great in the orange or in the purple. The SEC can kiss my ACC, which Clemson's been proving now for the last three or four years or so with all their wins. They've got the rival South Carolina. They can get the Clemson shirt as well by going to SmackApparel.com because the SEC's got nothing on Clemson right now, Wayne. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And I think Saturday. SC won't have anything for them either. I think Clemson's, uh, you know, they're just, they're solid. I, you know, be interesting to see who they match up against, but uh, they they look good. 
They do. The shirt looks good, too. Excuse me. You'll see more at SmackApparel.com. Hey, one more. You have vacated the Tampa Bay area. I'm still here in West Central Florida. All the talk will be for the next few days for that Friday game coming uh, Black Friday in the afternoon, in the early evening, USF, UCF. There's a lot of people uh, that are wondering in the Tampa Bay area, is UCF going to gobble up a bunch of tickets and take over Raymond James Stadium? You've got got the, the party crashing college football playoff party crashing Bite me ESPN about UCF. Kirk Herbstreet and UCF uh, aren't getting along right now. And and the look, the, the Knights are getting a little more respect from the college football playoff. They're ninth in the rankings, but they still need some more love. And you've got a great shirt with Smack Apparel. Yep, I've got uh, uh, ESPN and Kirk Herbstreet can bite me and then blow it. It says, do the math. And it has UCF greater than Auburn, greater than Alabama. And of course, as we all know, Alabama lost one game last year, and it was to Auburn. And in the in the uh, I believe the Chick Fil A Bowl, UCF put a good whacking on Auburn. So if you just make one game jump, they would have beaten Alabama based on that formula. So uh, yeah, we've got that, and then we've got you know we've got some rivalry shirts uh, between U- UCF and and uh, USF. For both fan bases, so we got it covered, man. Yes, yeah, you know, so it's, it's a- just fun. It rivalries make it's what sports is about. And, you know, the license industry really doesn't do much with that. They just put, you know, stuff about your team on it. And uh, of course, you know, if you're a real hardcore fan, man, you hate that rival. And you know, it's in sports hate, which is not hate hate, but it's sports hate, and that's what makes it fun. That's why they call these things, you know, the Civil War, the game, you know, all sorts of uh, uh, stuff and pranks are played uh, <laughs> I think in 1960 uh, I forget which rivalry it was but one school in 1960 actually kidnapped I think it was Oregon, Oregon State kidnapped the homecoming queen at the other school <laughs> I mean a human, they captured the human gal and kidnapped her and, and sent a ransom note Oh the president. my the lord had to run. The president had to ride a bicycle across his campus begging the other, I think, Oregon State to return there. Could uh, you imagine if that happened in the present day now uh, as part of a college uh, rivalry? What a great story, though. But, yeah, there's, uh, yeah. It's, it's legendary stuff what the rivals will do to each other. And, uh, again, you're, you're out in the western part of the world where there's some big ones, but all over the country these rivalry games will be taking place. So we're anxious to see all of that unfold. Do, you, do your Knowles, just real quick, have any chance with the Gators? That's an early game on Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. Florida State still trying to have a winning season. Be bowl eligible. Florida coming to Tallahassee. Real quick, I know you're a Seminole guy. Do they have any shot here to beat Florida? Who's going to yeah, be favored? You know, after before last week, I would have said no. No, but for a game, and if they've got enough talent to beat BC, um, we've got the talent. I mean, there's a lot of guys will be playing on Sunday on both sides of the ball for Florida State. They just haven't put it together. So uh, I wouldn't place a bet on it, but uh, I certainly think it's <laughs> certainly possible. Um, I think, you know, there's only a few rivalry games where I think the other rival has no shot. But, uh, I mean, even South Carolina could beat Clemson. I mean, they've got, you know, the athletes. So, my Knowles, they could do it. 
They could do it. Let's see if they will do it on Saturday. One more time, smackapparel.com. Great stuff. Go, go peruse the site. And if you're a fan, whether it's Michigan or Alabama or even out west, somebody like Oregon or USC or UCLA, come back east for Clemson and Florida and Florida State and even Notre Dame fighting Irish that are looking good. As I mentioned, the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry. Check it out. Smackapparel.com. Our promo code is 3DOG. My friend, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy the family. The grandbaby. Uh, we look forward to all the college football and uh, uh, have a blast for this weekend with the family. We'll see what happens with all the football and Thanksgiving weekend, Wayne Curtis. You the same, TJ. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We are back one more time with senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com, Mr. Kevin Rogers, ready for all the feast of, of everything that will be on the Thanksgiving Day table. I did not ask you this back at the beginning of the show as we bring you back in to talk some pro football. How long on the leftovers? You're still eating leftovers Friday. If the leftovers are around on Saturday, do we still partake? Or are the leftovers gone as of Friday? Whatever's not consumed is trashed. Just What's one uh, day, the deal? That's it. One, one day? One day and it's over. We can't. Cap yeah. it. We cap it. No, it just gets gross after that. Yeah, okay. All right. Even with the sides and the desserts and all the stuff. All right. So one day cap on the leftovers in the Rogers household. We've had fun talking Thanksgiving as well as football. Um, all right. We're going to get to the Thanksgiving Day games in a second. A reminder again, however you found us through Radio Influence or subscribing as well via iTunes, via the Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, etc. You may be hearing this show after Thanksgiving, so you already know what happened on the Thanksgiving Day games in particular, or even hearing this show after Black Friday when Kevin and I have been making picks in college football. The show lives on through the weekend, through Saturday and Sunday, so you may know what's happening. You may hear us talking about games that have already happened. That's how it works here on Three Dog Thursday if you're new to the show. I want to get to the Thanksgiving games in a sec. Before we do that, Rams-Chiefs Monday. I've not had a chance to talk to you on this podcast. It finishes 54-51 in the highest-scoring Monday night game ever, the first-ever NFL game with both teams over 50 points in the game. So, Kevin Rogers, uh, I just want your opinion right out of the box here. Was that good football, great for the NFL, or do you think somehow cynically that it was bad for the NFL to see all of that on Monday night? I think it's good. I mean... You know, a lot of people, or I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there are a majority of people that would not be happy with it because, oh, it's just ridiculous. They're going down and scoring every time. You know, I mean, I'll say it on the first drive. I mean, the Chiefs got called for like four or five penalties, you know. I mean, and that's just – and they were, they committed penalties, you know. that that That's not on the officials, on anybody else. They committed them, you know. And you, know, you kind of wonder if you don't let these teams keep their drives alive, maybe it's a little lower scoring, you know. But, you know, there were still a few defensive touchdowns in the game, too, so that you can't really say, well, the offense is – no, they, they, they were defensive touchdowns. But it was between two of the top teams in the league, and these leagues can use whatever they can to help them. And if they need a 54-51 game between two 9-1 teams in a primetime game, nobody should be complaining about it. Because you know what? If this was flipped around – I mean, earlier in the year, remember you had that Browns-Raiders game that went to overtime, was 48-45 or whatever it was? Right. You know, if people were saying it's bad football, people were entertained by it, you know? And that's kind of like – you know, it's like you can't win because if you have a 9-6 game between these two, oh, this is terrible. That's awful. right. There you go. You can't win with it. So, you know, people just take it for what it is. And we had a high-scoring Super Bowl last year. It was very exciting. 
So the Saints are a high-scoring team. You know, is that bad for the NFL, what they're doing? It's just, it is what it is, you know, and, and people just need to watch, and if they don't like it, then too bad. Well, but you make a great point because the critics would be out everywhere if that game had ended up 9-7 to or 12-10 to or something like that. Instead, we love offense. I mean, this is what it's become. PlayStation video games, fantasy football. This is, this is how we watch and consume football now uh, over the course of the last 20, 25 years. So I don't think every game should be like that. I thought it was fitting that Jared Goff said right afterwards it was like Texas Tech playing Cal. It's like the Big 12 came to the NFL. Um, you, you had some bizarre factors in this. You mentioned the defensive touchdowns. That had something to do with it also where, where you're putting the defense right back out on the field and a, a team would make a big play and they put their own defense right back out on the field to get rattled again by the Rams or by the Chiefs, whoever made the big play. So uh, I, it was unusual in that regard. It's not unprecedented. I mean, there have been I, I worked the first game of the year. The Bucks and the Saints was 48 to 40 in that game, uh, in, a game in a game that had a virtually a thousand yards worth of offense and had uh, 88 points scored, which was the highest. It was the highest scoring opening day game in the NFL in 70 years. So we've seen some of these. But I am of the belief, as you just said, that if we watch games where it's 10 to 9 and there are turnovers, we're bored by that. And we're looking on the Red Zone channel or we're looking for another game, if that's the case. And what a showcase for the NFL. Moving the game out of Mexico to the Coliseum with the backdrop of the the horror that they have had. Boy, you talk about Thanksgiving and what they need to cheer some people up in Southern California that have lost everything, Kevin. I mean, there are thousands of families that have had their home taken away from them by those fires and the outpouring from the American Red Cross and all of the meal services and everybody in Southern California trying to help those people get their lives back. If that Rams game could give them some kind of uh, fun or smile or pep in their step for a little while on Monday night, then, then Lord, let's, uh, let's give it to them because it has been awful in, in California and in Southern California and even Northern California with the wildfires uh, for the last couple, three weeks. So what a great backdrop, highly entertaining, massive television rating, highest rated Monday night football game in four years. And uh, maybe it's a preview of the Super Bowl coming up with these same two teams. We'll see. The Saints are obviously going to have something to say about it. it. Looks like Pittsburgh will have something to say about it down the road too although Mahomes and the Chiefs tore up the Steelers earlier in the year and the Saints did beat the Rams head to head at the Superdome so we'll see how it plays out all right so the Thanksgiving slate again if you're listening to us in the preview mode for Thanksgiving on Three Dog Thursday does have uh, a couple of games Chicago Detroit the Bears off the Sunday night win Carolina off the or uh, Detroit off the dramatic win over Carolina where the Panthers went for two and missed so that's the early Thanksgiving day game Washington will go as we were talking talking about with Shannon Spake here without Alex Smith they'll go with Colt McCoy in this game with the Cowboys who have suddenly won a couple of games in a row and Atlanta and New Orleans three a triple header again Atlanta New Orleans that was another game Kevin Rogers that I believe the Saints won something like 50 to 44 in overtime or or something like 44 to 38 in overtime in the home game uh, that Atlanta had earlier in the year the overtime game so now here's the rematch on Thursday night. So what about the Thanksgiving Day slate? It's pretty it's pretty good, though, because you've got playoff implications basically in all three games as it works out for the NFL and Turkey Day. Yeah, and uh, we get the Lions again, which is really great because everyone in the country wants to see the Lions year in and year out on Thanksgiving. <laughs> we, we can't break tradition ever. 
but, you know, you look at – it's just so funny we look at the Cowboys that – I mean, the Alex Smith injury was obviously incredibly devastating, not only, you know, to the Redskins, but also to him, you know, with uh, – Career you know, may the, be over. Career, yeah. career may be over for Alex Smith. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. And, uh, you know, he had a, an Alex Smith-type season and led the Redskins to a pretty – good start you know and the eagles have been bad the giants played better recent you know you know recently but when you look at what the cowboys have done all of a sudden they're sneaking up now you know they beat the eagles in the road they beat the falcons at the end and they've been great at home this season i know they just lost to tennessee on monday night a few weeks ago at home but now all of a sudden you open the door for the cowboys where it almost seems like they were out of it where the cowboys have a good shot and you talk about that falcon saints game where the Saints team is just, they've been completely on fire. And, and, and it's unbelievable how no one can stop them at this point. Well, I am going to go for Three Dog Thursday purposes to that Thanksgiving night game and go to the Atlanta Falcons. And again, you may be listening on Friday or Saturday and say, what a stupid pick that was. 13 points, and I know I went against Atlanta last week. I had the Cowboys against Atlanta. The one thing about the Falcons is they seem to hang in. I don't know what happened to them at Cleveland a couple of weeks ago, but every one of their games other than that seems to be a close game on their slate. Just looking at them, uh, they, they lost 22 to 19 last week. Uh, the Browns beat them by 12. They blew out Washington. They beat the Giants by three. They beat my Buccaneers by five. Earlier in the year, they lost to Cincinnati by one. That Saints game was 43-37 that they lost. They beat Carolina by a touchdown. They lost to the Eagles in the opening game by six. Every one of their games seems to be close. I know they've not been great against the spread recently at just one and three, but I will take the 13 points. The Saints may have a little come down. I mean, they they do destroyed the Bengals two weeks ago 51 to 7 destroyed the Eagles last week as well Atlanta in the rivalry NFC South game on Thanksgiving night I will take the 13 points for Matt Ryan for Julio Jones and Atlanta's playoff hopes may be on the line here as well as as this unfolds here because that would be a second loss to the Saints it would damage them let's see I will take Atlanta and the 13 points for three dog Thursday gobble gobble on uh, on turkey night for Thursday so there's one from me for three dog Thursday in the NFL give me an underdog from you in the NFL coming this weekend all right, I'm going to go back to the well with the Broncos again after they beat the Chargers last week. They get the Steelers coming in on Sunday, and the Steelers are coming off uh, a very impressive victory at Jacksonville. They got down 16 nothing. They came back and won. And Pittsburgh has had problems in Denver over the years, and I understand uh, you know that happened with Peyton Manning when he was the quarterback. But do you remember off the top of your head the last time the Steelers were favored at Denver? I'm trying to think. Now, they won a playoff game earlier in the 2000s and eventually won the Super Bowl against Jake Plummer and Denver. So you're trying. Not I don't, that one. That's a good I, one, but not that they one. They were not favored in that playoff game on the road against the Broncos. I'm going to say it may even go back. Does it go back to like the Steel Curtain Steelers the last time no, in the 70s? No, no, no. no. You're, or, you're just come a little forward. Come up a little bit. You know, come up a little in the playoffs. Don't tell me we got to go to like the '80s against the Elway Broncos. No, 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 no. I meant I meant past Jake Plummer. Ah, like, past like, Jake. Like more so against the Tim Tebow Broncos, maybe yes. in the playoffs. Is that yes. the game? Yes, yes. The Tim Tebow touchdown pass in overtime. Yes, that was the last time the Steelers were favored at Denver, and the Broncos won that game in overtime. I'm not saying that that means so much for this game, but you know the Steelers have had their issues out in Denver over the years and 
I just look at the Broncos. They've had some problems at home recently, but, you know, you look at who they've lost to. Houston's been on fire. The Rams have one loss. The Chiefs have two losses. I mean, they've lost to good teams at home, and Pittsburgh's another good team, but Pittsburgh has not been a great road favorite. They pushed last week, but that line dropped. I mean, that, that line opened at five, five and a half. They should have never covered that game. So I'm going to go with the Broncos here. So basically, I, didn't give, I gave you no analysis. I just played 20 questions with you, and that was it. But, that's uh, but, my, that's but like the, the Steelers have won six in a row in this one. The, the struggle for them, though, earlier in the year included road games, um, a road game at Cleveland that was a tie, uh, a game that they lost at home to the, to the Baltimore Ravens. You mentioned that Jaguar game last week. Roethlisberger threw the interceptions. They're behind 16 to nothing. How about this stat from the Jackson? Jaguars last week. You talk about anemic offense. Are you aware of the Jaguars' lack of offense in the second half last week with uh, with Pittsburgh and how bad it was? You want the number? You want the stat? Sure. 12 plays run by Blake Bortles, Leonard Fournette, and your Jacksonville Jaguars, ladies and gentlemen. 12 plays run, minus 7 yards in the second half last week of the game. No, or It was in the fourth quarter. I'm sorry. 12 plays run, minus 7 yards in the fourth quarter of the game. You wonder why they coughed up the lead and blew it. There you go. Pittsburgh comes back and gets the win. Although, the, the, hey, look, the Broncos had that last second drive. I'll share this again. I shared it earlier in the show that we were flying back on the uh, the Buccaneer team playing from New York after Eli and company and Saquon Barkley won that game. We were watching the Eagles just get blown out by the Saints, but they also had the Chargers-Broncos game on on the plane. Great drive by Case Keenum to get them into field goal range without a timeout and get the clock stop for the winning field goal uh, there at the very end by McManus. Uh, to beat the Chargers, and that made you a winner on Three Dog Thursday. So you're going back to the Broncos again, two weeks in a row uh, with the Steelers. All right, so I've given everybody 300 dogs. You've had one college, one NFL. That means one more underdog from you, sir. You know what? I'm not going with the Dolphins. I'm fading the Colts, if you want to put it that way. Really? Yes, I'm taking the Dolphins, but I'm not saying because they're, you know, I have so much faith in them. I just look at the Colts as a team that, that's played very well recently. They're coming off a blowout win over Tennessee, a big divisional win. Now you're playing a non-divisional game, laying a touchdown against a Dolphins team that's still 5-5, five and five, all right, and they've struggled on the road. But when you look at the losses at New England, at Cincinnati, I know the Bengals have, have not played as well recently, at Houston, who has been on fire. So they've lost a lot of these games on the road, to not great opponents, all right? They get Ryan Tannehill back this week. Yes. And hopefully he's held. I mean, the thing about Tannehill is it's got to be an upgrade from Brock Osweiler. That's just all it is, and that's not saying much. But when I look at the Colts, even before the Tennessee game, who did they beat? Buffalo, Oakland, some real garbage teams, all right? They had a nice one against Washington earlier in the season. Jacksonville has but, turned out to be bad. They beat them decisively a couple weeks ago, yes. You are, you are correct. And that was a game that actually, you know what's so funny about that? That was a game the Jags were in control. Well, they, they had a shot there. They got down big and they had a shot. They right. only lost by three. So really that Jacksonville team, who's terrible offensively, still hung in that game. So the point is, is that the Colts have kind of cleaned up against bad teams. 
And the Dolphins, they're not great. They're not terrible. You know they could hang. I think it's too many points, especially coming off this Tennessee game. There's got to be a letdown here for the Colts. Well, and for Miami, you mentioned they're going back to Tannehill. It's the first time he will have played since week five with a shoulder injury. Do you believe you're in South Florida here? What do we know? That Adam Gase might have a quick hook in this game. If Tannehill is not effective, if the shoulder's bothering him, if he gets hit again, we may see Osweiler again in this game. I fully believe that. How much do you believe that scenario? No, I think that this is about he wanted to wait as long as possible to get Tannehill healthy. That's his guy, and that he's going to ride Tannehill until he gets hurt again. I mean, for as bad as that sounds, I don't think this is a one or two series you don't look good on pulling you. Because remember, he didn't lose his job to being ineffective. He lost it to, to injury. So I think that he wanted, that Gase wanted to wait as long as possible to get Tannehill back in, feels that he's healthy now, and... They'll just go with it and hope that he's healthy. Miami Dolphins banged up with the receivers. Uh, Frank Gore going back to play the Colts, where he had been for the last three or four years uh, in this game. You'll take the Dolphins and take the nine points to close out Three Dog Thursday with your two NFL underdogs. All right, so uh, again, the Sunday night game is Green Bay, Minnesota. You already touched on Pittsburgh and Denver and the Monday night game, Tennessee and Houston. Still some question marks at the time that we're taping about Marcus Mariota and whether he can play. You've often said this, go figure the NFL, where, where Tennessee destroy, beats the Cowboys on Monday night, destroys the Patriots, and then Mariota did get hurt in the game last week with the Colts, but they get blown out by the Colts last week. Go figure the NFL from week to week. But Tennessee and Houston, large game in the AFC South with Houston rolling along right now. How about uh, all of those stats about teams going 0-3 and missing the playoffs? The Houston Texans, 0-3 when they lost to the New York Giants, have now rattled off six wins in a row. Uh, Actually, seven wins in a row since then. Would potentially, if they win at home, Kevin, win eight straight games after being 0-3 going against that that playoff stat. I think the number is something like 9% of the teams that go 0-3 since the merger make the playoffs. So they would be going as a 91% chance they're bye-bye. They're going on quite a roll. Let's see if the Texans win that one on on Monday night. All right, so there's some NFL conversation. We come down the stretch here, Three Dog Thursday with all the Thanksgiving. Lots of football, but a lot of other sports going on too. Tell us more about what all you have at VegasInsider.com, Mr. Kevin Rogers. Yes, in spite of college football coming towards the end, at least of the regular season, there's still plenty more with with championship week and and the bowl games coming up in December. But college basketball is really busy right now. A lot of tournaments around the Thanksgiving holiday and just so much action going on right now. And that's always what I've said that's great about college basketball. You have a lot of good matchups right now. Now, I mean, obviously before conference season, but NBA rolling along, NHL as well, and still the NFL, like we've been talking about, we still have a long way to go with the NFL season. So just a very busy time of year, you know, which is a good thing. And, you know, just keep up with us at VegasInsider.com. Keep up with us on Twitter at TwitVI and try to keep producing winners on a daily basis. No doubt about that, and he gives great information uh, out to you on this show, but you can also uh, check into getting more of Kevin's handicapping in other sports, whether it's NBA or college basketball or uh, besides what we just talked about here with college football and the NFL on Three Dog Thursday. We'll be talking a lot of college basketball once we get around to January. I mean, we got the Maui uh, Invitational that's going on at the time that we're taping right now. You've got the big college tournament going on uh, in Orlando later this weekend that has a lot of big-time teams. The Battle 
for Atlantis, also in the Bahamas, that has the likes of Florida. And uh, let's see who else is uh, in that tournament. Villanova is in that tournament. Oklahoma, who Florida is playing. Stanford, Wisconsin, they're all in Atlantis and the Bahamas for Thanksgiving weekend. So if you're a college basketball fan, check it all out at VegasInsider.com. And again, follow them at TwitVI. Follow Kevin at VI Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday for all the underdogs. My friend, we've come to the end. Enjoy all of the Thanksgiving meal, the uh, the food, the leftovers, the football. Let's see what happens with the underdogs coming and uh, and be ready to talk all about it next week, sir. Yes, looking forward to it. And we'll have our championship set. So we already know the SEC is all ready to go with Alabama, Georgia, but still a lot of football to go and a lot to decide for UCF to get in that top four. Yeah, let's see if UCF can move up. Let's see what happens with the teams in front of them as this all plays out. Does USC have something for Notre Dame? Does Ohio State go ahead and knock off Michigan? Does West Virginia, as I think, on Three Dog Thursday knock off Oklahoma? We're going to find out. Kevin again has the Washington Huskies on Friday night. Again, depending on when you're listening to the show, he has the Huskies on Black Friday night against Washington State. He has the Broncos and the Dolphins in the NFL as underdogs. I'll take West Virginia on Black Friday night. I'll take Georgia Tech to keep it close in the rivalry game with Georgia and I like a Thanksgiving dog that's the Atlanta Falcons on Thursday evening getting 13 points with the Saints. Let's see how it works out for Three Dog Thursday. Kevin, thank you. We appreciate it, sir. All right, happy Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving to Kevin Rogers. Happy Thanksgiving as well to our guest, Matt Elliott, the former Michigan All-American offensive lineman. Love his insight, 4-0 all-time against Ohio State. What will happen in the game Saturday? Shannon Spake of the NFL on Fox. Shannon working that Eagles game with the Giants Sunday, 1 o'clock. And also Wayne Curtis, Smack Apparel with me as well. Go to smackapparel.com. Save 10% with our promo code 3DOG. Whether it's the Urban Liar shirt that we were joking about or any of these other in-your-face themed shirts, the SEC can kiss my ACC from Clemson and on and on. Check them all out at smackapparel.com and the promo code 3DOG. For Kevin Rogers, I'm TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us as part of 3DOG Thursday. Enjoy Thanksgiving, the turkey, the leftovers, the football. We'll talk to you next week. This is a Jim Fannin Show Quick Fix on Radio Influence. This week, we've, we've had some tragedies, and uh, even though this is America's most positive podcast we there's been tragedies these wildfires in california are are horrific 700 people still missing Uh, our thoughts and prayers on on this thanksgiving day go go out to the first responders the firefighters and and our prayers to the families of uh of 70 plus people and counting higher uh, that have actually lost their lives some are just completely homeless literally but there is good news out of some tragedy. Uh, you want to talk about uh, the bus driver saved yeah. 22 children from a fire in Paradise, California. Yeah, yeah. his name is Kevin McKay and had to just act. They were uh, uh, evacuating Ponderosa Elementary School. He realized that uh, there were two teachers and 22 students there. He got him in there and then got going and the flames, just like the next story we're going to tell as well, started licking the side of the vehicle, so to speak. And he ripped off his own shirt and tore it apart while driving at breakneck speed, handed it to the teachers. They soaked uh, those rags in uh, just bottles of water and got those over the kid's mouth so they didn't have smoke inhalation damage. 
and this is like something out of a movie. I mean, it it came really, really close to him, uh, and and all those kids not getting out of there. Uh, bus and, driver from heaven. That that's a quote uh, that many have called uh, Kevin McKay. So, Kevin, uh, you know, the zone is not designed to score 103 points in two games in basketball. It's designed to get you out of trouble and. We've all been hardwired with this ability uh, to be in that purposeful calm state during trauma or stress. That's really what the zone has its origins. And, of course, uh, with the score system that that I've been able to and blessed and thankful to be able to discover uh, helps people get in the zone and other things. But, Kevin, uh, during that trauma, you got into a purposeful calm. You did what you needed to do. And, again, uh, kudos to you and uh, thank you. The Jim Fannin Show can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.